Welcome once again to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, joined by former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. The Ravens season is over, losing in the playoffs at the Cincinnati Bengals, and change and kind of a tumultuous offseason has already started. The Ravens and Greg Roman parting ways this week, and we're going to get into that and much more as we delve into this 2023 offseason. Before we do that, I want to remind you that all Believe in the Ravens podcasts are sponsored by Bet Online. It remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today and or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag where the game starts. Daniel Wilcox this offseason is kind of thought to be fairly tumultuous here in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson's contract hanging over all, but really the first domino fell already on Thursday when the Ravens and offensive coordinator Greg Roman, uh, it was announced that they are parting ways, Greg Roman leaving to pursue other opportunities. We can get into the semantics of what all that means, but they will be looking for a new offensive coordinator. I want to ask you, Daniel Wilcox, what was your reaction when you first heard the news that Greg Roman would no longer be with the team? Well, I tell you right now, Bo, I wasn't shocked. You know, um, I, I felt like oh, it's been brewing for like the last two or three years and they've been prolonging this thing. And um, and I felt like I feel like Roman is such he's really he is really good. He's a really good OC. Um, I just felt like he wasn't what the Ravens needed anymore. You know, and I felt like with Lamar situation and, you know, I want to say it was two years ago. Lamar was like, man, they know our plays. Our playbook is too simple. And he actually went on, you know, live and said that in front of, the, you know, the whole world. It was like um they're calling out our plays before we do it. You know, it, I remember it that. Needed, yeah, it needed to be more creative. I mean, he was complaining about Greg Roman like year two. You know, year one was great because nobody knew what Lamar, what Lamar was gonna do, or 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 you know how the offense was gonna be underneath Greg Roman. But I knew that Harbaugh, when I was there doing the internship, Harbaugh was you know speaking highly of you know we're gonna shock the world with how great this offense is gonna be and how different it is because it was such a tailored creative you know type of offense that they were trying to install for Lamar to be successful and Harbaugh was backing it a hundred percent I remember I was there you know on staff that time that year when it when it all started up and um I was excited to kind of see what happened and Lamar took the world by storm he got league MVP etc 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 and he balled out that year and then that next year it was like man they know our plays they, you know everybody knows they're kid on everything they call out the plays before we do it and it was just it, it became too cookie cutter of offense and that's how this league works you know, any quarterback could come in and be great for one year, but can he be great for two or three or four or five or 10? And that makes you understand that how, like how really smart these OCs and DCs are in this, in this league, they'll give you one year to figure to kind of figure you out, you know, but once they get you figured out, once one person do something and they, they're effective of stopping you, then everybody's going to, it's such a copycat league. Everybody's going to start doing it until you prove that you can beat that, 
you know, and that's kind of what happened to the Baltimore Ravens offense. You know, they were so dynamic that first year, so explosive. And then all of a sudden it became like this really cookie cutter, get the ball to the tight end, get the ball to the running back type offense. And it stagnated and, it's, and it started to slow down extremely, extremely fast. And um, and you see it, I guess, I feel like Tyler Huntley is such a dynamic quarterback as well. And you see it when he came in the game, you know, he came in the game and he was balling at first. Everybody was like, oh my God, Tyler Huntley is just as good as Lamar. And then you really was able to see the different the difference between him and Lamar as the offense started to get more recognizable to more defenses and stuff like that. It started to get more familiarized with it. This is what we need to do to stop him and then take this away. And now they one dimensional. And um and I think that's what kind of hurt Greg Roman in this situation. And I, I think the Ravens did the right thing. I think it was time to move on. And this coming from a guy that played, you know, eight, nine seasons in the NFL, and every year I had a different OC. I never had one I was able to get comfortable with. The bad thing about changing OCs, um, Bo, is that now you got to go learn a new foreign language all over again. You know, all the offenses are the same, and, you know, so to sense. They all got their own wrinkles, their own variations of them. But every time you get a new OC, all the verbiage is different. So it's like coming from learning Spanish to learning French, you know, to learning Portuguese, to learning English. You know, it's, it's, it's so crazy, man. So I had to learn a new language every year. Lamar had to go through this, the same language. He studied. He mastered Spanish already. Now it's time for him to start learning French. You know, so now we'll see how this year turns out. I think they definitely need somebody that's going to be a little bit more dynamic. And I, I wish Greg Roman well. I think he's a, a heck of a guy, a heck of a coach. I just think he was no longer what the Baltimore Ravens needed. Well, look at Greg Roman. I mean, what you mentioned, you were working here at the time that they started. It was, I remember sitting with John Harbaugh and him praising they were going to be this, quote, revolutionary offense. And I mm -hmm. know people kind of snickered at the time that he said that. And then they went out and set an all-time <laughs> NFL rush, rec, rushing record. Mm -hmm. And that was basically with Greg Roman. And Lamar Jackson became an MVP because of Greg Roman. Patrick yeah. Ricard and Mark Andrews both became Pro Bowl players because of Greg Roman. I mean, they absolutely have Roman to thank. But again, the, 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 it comes back to, and I remember back, Marquise Brown complained two years ago that, look, we're the number one rushing offense. We, we are dead last in passing. And that's, yeah. been a, that's been a knock on Roman throughout his career was terrific, terrific run game architect, but the passing game was always a question. And this year, too, they finished number two in rushing, number 28 in passing. They just didn't get the passing game going to where it needed to be. And I think it's very fair to question what, what what's the ceiling for that kind of approach once you get into this postseason and you play these kind of teams. And Eric DaCosta at the season-ending news conference said, no, we can we can win with this roster. We can win this way with these players. They, they, they are convinced they can do it, uh, but it hasn't happened. They've only won one playoff game in this time now. Of course, they lost Lamar Jackson for a significant time in both of the last two years, and that has to also be a factor. It feels a bit unfinished because they didn't have him for either season, so we don't know, but I agree with you. I think I can tell you this. If if we sat there at that news conference yesterday and John Harbaugh said, we're bringing Greg Roman back for another year, the fans would have revolted. Uh, they were just ready for something different, and I'm not right. saying the fans drive things, but there was there was there was palpable frustration with the offense, the way it looked, with a lot of things, with some of the play calls, uh, and it, it compounded too because if you remember at the end of the of the playoff game, J.K. Dobbins was very public criticizing his usage or lack of usage near the goal line, and that came back to Greg Roman. Uh, yeah. There were times during the season where John Harbaugh was fairly critical of personnel or play calls and so it, it felt I agree with you it felt like it's been brewing and then and now we're at the point where it's going to happen or it has happened they can use whatever terminology they want Greg Roman left on his own to pursue other opportunities 
I think that's a nice way of saying, look, John's saying, hey, Greg, you know what? You're a good guy. We're not going to fire you. Let's use the terminology that you decide to go pursue other opportunities. Change right. is going to happen and change will happen. So you talk about the new languages, right? New language you have to pursue. This will be John Harbaugh's eighth offensive coordinator in his 16 years. It happens once fairly often. Joe Flacco went through about five offensive coordinators in his time here. Yeah. Mark Jackson has had, he's had Greg Roman now for four years and it will be someone different. Who do they get? We'll see. John Harbaugh said yesterday they will look internally and externally for candidates. He called it one of the greatest jobs in the world to be the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. There's two complications here, though, and we'll get into this later. We don't even know what Lamar Jackson's status is. And I think offensive coordinators would come in and want to know that. But yes. I would think James Urban, the quarterback's coach who has been here, would be one of the internal candidates. T. Martin, wide receivers coach, could be an internal candidate. But there are a lot of people outside the organization that they will talk to. You're a player. You said you played for seven or eight offensive coordinators in your NFL time. What what is the team looking for if they go out of house for a guy because they don't they know what they have in house in Urban and T Martin and the other coaches they know what they have there what are they looking for when they go out and if you're an offensive coordinator candidate what questions are you asking of the Ravens? Um, I I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head already, Bo. I, what what's going on with Lamar? You mm -hmm. know, are we gonna pay this guy wet? You know, I need him happy. If I'm going to be an OC for the Baltimore Ravens, I want to make sure that Lamar Jackson is happy and he's he's set in stone. My quarterback is locked, loaded, and ready to go. All right, he's the leader of my team. He's the guy that I'm going to spend the most time with as an OC, and I'm I'm going to have Lamar in every single meeting that I'm in as an offensive coordinator. You know, if I'm meeting with my staff, Lamar is a part of my staff because he has to convey every single thing that we put out to these other guys. And um, he has to do it very well, you know. So I'll meet with Lamar more than I meet with anybody else. And I just feel like the Ravens, what the Ravens truly honestly need, they do need a, a star at receiver. They need a big-time star that can blow the top off, you know, somebody that's going to really, you know, bring some serious recognition in, like a Tyreek Hill-type caliber guy. You know, somebody that'll come in and just really earn, the, earn, earn and gain respect from other defensive coordinators and defensive players where they're almost a little bit nervous and nail-biting that we got to go against Tyreek Hill or, you know, um, or Odell Beckham type, you know, this this year. So I think they need to bring in one guy, you know, for that. With Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews should be your number two receiver or your number one receiver with that guy on the outside that could be that number two, you know. And, um, and I really feel like Mark Andrews really should be the number two, you know, only because he's the tight end, right? And and um, and that's me You're hating on my own. Yeah, it's like me hating on my own position, you know, but I feel like you need to have a guy outside that makes people nervous. And then that will make Mark Andrews your number one. If you make that number guy, the number one guy outside, your number one priority, Mark Andrews will probably end up being your number one priority because one, the more you throw it to the outside guy, the more open Mark Andrews is going to become and the more he's going to get the ball even more. You know, so I feel like you, you do have a, a strong supporting cast inside. I think Bateman's a great receiver. Duvernay is a great receiver. Um, I think Prochet still has to show me that he can get it done. And I I feel like, you know, he's such a dynamic guy. I, I went to bat for Prochet, and I just felt like this year wasn't his year for some reason. And, you know, sometimes it's like that, you know, maybe you got to go train a little bit differently or whatever. But I think they have a dynamic cast of guys. And like you were saying, Patrick Ricard, I think it's one of the most phenomenal players in the NFL you know I still think he should be a two-sided guy where he plays both sides of the ball you very you don't get to see that very often with a guy that's 300 pounds so mm -hmm. I think him being able to do that makes him that much more interesting to me as a coach 
But um, as an offensive coordinator, I think you come into Baltimore and then you sit down with Lamar and find out what he truly likes to do. What do you like to do? What What do you feel like you're your best at? In all these years of you playing football, because I've seen you do these dynamic things from high school, from college, and now in the pros. So I know you're capable of doing dynamic things and special things. What makes you tick and what you like the most? What's your favorite pass play? What's your favorite route to throw? You know, et cetera, et cetera. What's your favorite run? You know, and why? Why are those things your favorite? And get to know him as, you know, especially interesting as I possibly can and being more invested in him as a coach and then run my offense around the things that he likes the most and then come up with different variations, very creative variations of things that make, make him even better. And, and I think you got to have somebody that has a creative mind. You know, the thing that I saw, what was it? I just saw the last, last week in the playoffs where I can't remember what team was. They did like the ring around the Rosie and then when it lined up. Yeah. And then it was somebody else that lined up in a straight line and everybody just ran out, you know, that type of stuff, man, it's really cool to watch it's even more fun to be a part of, you know, and I just feel like as a player, you know, you, you have these guys come in with attitudes and they got anger issues. You're dealing with grown men. You know, you, you don't have to talk to us crazy to get us to do what you want us to do. You just have to tell us we either going to play or we're going to sit on the bench. That's it. You know, I learned that from Mike Westhoff, my special teams coordinator, my rookie year in New York with the Jets. He said, Danny, you either do what I ask you to do or your ass won't play here. And you'll find you somewhere else to play. He was an Italian guy. He just, just so uh-huh. funny to me. Uh-huh. But it was very true. You, you know, you do what your coach asks you to do. If you don't, you're going to find somewhere else to play real quick. You know, and and it's just, it's, it's not that hard, man. We really want to play the game. We love the freaking game of football. All of us, if you're in the NFL, you love football. Football is your freaking life. You don't sacrifice as much as we sacrifice to get to that level and hate it. You know, every last one of us love it. You know, some of us love it more and some of us love it more only because of the fact that, your your confidence is 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 has never been ripped from you. You know, a lot of these coaches think they got to tear you down in order to build you up and you're already built up. So why would you tear me down? How right. about just steer me in the right direction or tell me what I'm doing wrong or or help me become a better player by talk treat me like a freaking man instead of a kid, a child, you know, and uh, I think the next OC just has to have his bearings and he don't have to be a butthole or a hole. He just need to come in and just, you know, allow these guys to develop and figure out what you have, you know, evaluate the talent that you have on your team. How can I get the ball in these guys' hand more? You know, everything don't has to be a long pass down the field, but how can I come up with creative solutions to get everybody the ball and keep them happy? As a as a receiving tight end, you know, in, in this league, I was way more happy when I caught three or four balls a game. Way more happier. If I didn't catch a ball in the game, I don't care if we won. I don't care if I blocked my butt off. I came out of that guy feeling out of that game feeling a little bit less of myself, you know. And I wanted—I didn't feel happy about the product that I just put on the field. I didn't get open. I couldn't get separation. I never got a ball thrown my way. I was running wide open the entire game, but you know, for some reason, the quarterback never got me the ball. So the teams that seem to be the most effective and the most happier teams are the teams where the ball is spread it around with your Aaron Rodgers, your Peyton Mannings, your Tom Brady's, your Drew Breeses. You know, those teams seem to be way more happy. All those players seem like, man, I don't ever want to leave. And um, I even told my players, you know, when I was training, when I was training pro athletes, go somewhere where your quarterback is elite because it extend your career. If mm-hmm. you go somewhere where the quarterback sucks, you won't be playing in this league forever or for, or for long because you, you'll weed yourself out. You, you won't be productive. And when you're not productive mentally, you start to doubt yourself. Well, that might have been what happened with Marquise Brown. I mean, he was productive, but he also, also there were times he just wasn't involved. And I think he was frustrated by that. And he, yeah. he, he wanted out. 
And I think that's been a question. And we've asked Eric DaCosta year after year with the Greg Roman offense, will wide receivers want to come play here? And, and Eric DaCosta would always say, wide receivers want to come play with Lamar Jackson, but I'm not buying that. I just think wide receivers want the ball. Mm -hmm. And if you're running the ball a lot, the wide receivers aren't getting the ball. And so I think that is an issue. And we asked Eric DaCosta yesterday, and John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta both talked about the roster building process. They both acknowledge the wide receiver room needs to be rebuilt. We know Rashad Bateman got hurt. We know Devin DuVernay got hurt. They were basically down to the scrap heaps, bringing in Sammy Watkins again. They brought Demarcus Robinson, who, remember, had been cut by Las Vegas in the fall. Uh, so it was a it was a scramble at that wide receiver position, and part of that I I, I fault DaCosta for because he really banked on Bateman staying healthy, Duvernay staying healthy, and guys like Brochet and Tylen Wallace advancing and and making a big step forward, and it didn't happen, and they right. didn't really have a fallback plan. They never really uh, addressed the receiver position in the draft or in early free agency. And one thing that came out of the season-ending news conference yesterday, Eric DaCosta was asked effectively would you go out and pay big money for a free agent receiver and, and attack the position that way? And his answer was not that encouraging for the fans that want him to do that. I'll say his basic answer was, look, if we give all this money at the quarterback and linebacker and offensive line, and there's only so much money to go around. And it sounded as if big money at the wide receiver position is not going to happen. And that means that maybe they said we have to be creative. So maybe that involves trades or maybe it involves going back through the draft, but it, it implied that they're not going to be in the free agent uh, kind of madness for at the wide receiver position, and they probably won't have the money to it, especially if Lamar Jackson gets a franchise tag and ties up that much money. So that will be an interesting one to watch. And But for all the players, as you said, a new offensive coordinator comes in, and, and they have to know, they have to get to know him and vice versa. And the new offense coordinator, if it's someone from outside the organization, has to get to know Harbaugh and the rest. And maybe the offensive staff shuffles a little bit. Part of that will depend on who is the coordinator. But it's a big, it, you know, it's one of the top positions in the organization. And it's open and it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens. But to your point, it all comes back to Lamar Jackson. And if you're the offensive coordinator, absolutely, you want to know what the future is for your quarterback. And I don't think the Ravens even know it yet. And they, they can't know it yet because we know Lamar Jackson is a fifth-year option, is expiring. He is due to become a free agent in March. We don't expect that will happen. The Ravens have said yesterday at the news conference, they stressed over and over that the singular focus is a long-term extension with the Lamar Jackson. But if it do, until it happens, then it hasn't happened. And then he would be looking at probably a franchise tag. I asked Eric DaCosta about whether they would tag and then trade Lamar Jackson. Would they entertain trade offers for Lamar Jackson? And he said, I'm not, we're not, we're not going to talk about that. Our singular focus is signing Jackson. And if you're the offensive coordinator candidates, absolutely. That is the number one thing you want to know is, right. Is Lamar Jackson going to be here? Is he going to be happy? And yeah. if he is here on the tag, is he going to show up for OTAs? Is he going to show up for training camp? I mean, could you imagine a first-year offensive coordinator goes through training camp and his quarterback is holding out? Uh, it, it could be dicey. So now John Harbaugh also said yesterday he suggested that Lamar Jackson's not the kind of guy that holds out on a situation like that. But who, you never know. You never know. So I, I would hold out if I was Lamar. I wouldn't. You, I wouldn't you would hold out. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, it's been way too long with this contract thing. And he went through this entire season with it hanging over his head and people talking about it. And that's a distraction. I don't want that to be a distraction anymore. And it, it, to me, this is the most frustrating part of the whole thing to me, Bo. It's like you give head coaches guaranteed money. They don't even play a snap. You know, they, their life is not on the line every single day. This guy goes out here every single day, runs your entire offense. His life is on the line every single snap. Everybody's coming for him because he has the ball in his hand. The ball is the key. The person that holds the ball should be guaranteed. You know what I'm saying? Like, just guarantee the man his money and be done with it. You know, then you slap him in the face. I think I heard recently that it was a 130 mil they tried to guarantee him, you know, out of the 200 or something like that. And there just wasn't enough guaranteed money for him. And I don't blame him. When I got my guaranteed contract in Baltimore, which was my last contract, I only got one contract my entire nine-season career, that gave me a sense of stability. And a sense of, you know, consistent. The same thing they ask from us every single day. Be consistent. We're just asking for consistency from you guys. You know, give me a little bit of of of, of knowledge and a little bit of comfortability to know that I'm not going nowhere. You know, I just, I want to be here. I want to be a Raven. I want to be a Raven for life. But, you know, you lock, lock me in just like the rest of these guys are getting locked in. And then you hear all the stuff. And it's a problem when you hear stuff like Kyler Murray got 230 mil guaranteed and he's not he's cursing out his OC and he's going through all these problems. He's just got his OC fired and GM is not, is beefing with him. We won't, you know, you hear all this stuff that's going on around the league. You think Lamar don't hear that stuff too. He's not even that kid. He's not, he's not even that guy, you know? So how this guy gets it and I can't get it, you know, it mentally in, the, in your mind that, that messes with you, man. You hear everything and people are constantly in your ear. Come on, man. Like pay the man, get a man the money he needs, you know, figure it out. I know Steve Bashadi is is such a phenomenal owner. He's going to figure out a way to make this thing right, and he's going to do the best he can to make sure that Lamar is happy. I'm saying Steve, you know, Steve can pull some strings here that he he probably got a trust fund with over 250 mil in it. Give the man a trust fund. Start another one. Yeah, that's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, we'll get into it. We're going to do another show specifically on Lamar Jackson because he is, right. he is story number one. But Jackson's status mm -hmm. will certainly be a factor with the offensive coordinator search. But as of now, the Ravens' offensive coordinator search is, or position is open. And last year, the Ravens signed a, hired the new defense coordinator, Mike McDonald, on January 27th. So I would think this thing will move fairly quickly, and John Harbaugh will do his interviews and get a new offensive coordinator in here. So that's the biggest kind of first domino to fall this offseason. It happens right away, as a lot of people expected. Lamar Jackson's contract will probably be the next big thing to happen, and there'll be some other free agents and comings and goings with, with current men, uh, guys on the team before free agency opens in March. But we are going to be back with another show next week talking about Lamar Jackson specifically. We'll dive into the contract situation. We'll dive into his future. And as you mentioned, we'll look at what this is, what, what happens if he is tagged and, and his mentality going forward from that. That'll do it for today. Greg Roman out as offensive coordinator and the Ravens move forward from here. For Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast presented by Bet Online.